Welcome to the Faith, Health, and Home Digital Podcast. I am your host, Makeba Giles. Here we share information and resources for physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being to help families live an inspired lifestyle and encourage healthy living. Thank you for joining us. Gears up for a hectic news cycle this November, a new book from National Geographic aims to help kids cut through the saturated news clutter and stay informed. The timely and relevant title from National Geographic Kids, Breaking the News, What's Real, What's Not, and Why the Difference Matters, gives kids ages 10 through 16 the tools that they need to distinguish what is fact from fiction so that they can make smart choices about what to believe. The book covers a broad range of topics, from defining freedom of speech, the journalist code of ethics, the dangers of propaganda, and the future of news. Susan Goldberg is Editor-in-Chief of National Geographic and Editorial Director of National Geographic Partners, and she joins me today to share more. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Now, first, tell us why is it important to give young readers the tools that they need to distinguish fact from fiction in this day and age? Well, you know, it's funny, this is a book designed for younger readers, you know, 10 and up, but I really think this is a great book for everybody because the fact is is we all need these tools. We are so bombarded with information 24-7. I feel that way. I'm sure you feel that way. Everybody does. And these days, the problem is anybody can distribute information in a few keystrokes to thousands and thousands and thousands of people but you don't know where that information is coming from. So this is really a roadmap on how to look at stories critically so you can tell the real ones from the ones that are just not legitimate. Absolutely. Now, um, this book is going to be very helpful, like you said, for everyone. Um, Tell us what are some things that um, are in the book that can help kids to get to thinking about their relationship with and the responsibility to media itself. Well, you know, I I think young people are um, incredibly familiar with with the tools that we have at our disposal. You know, every young person I know is a total Internet whiz, uh, you know, and it seems second nature to them. But what I think they need a little help with is becoming more media literate and becoming an active participant in how information, you know, gets, gets sussed out, how it, you know, how you can discern whether something is, legit versus not at all legitimate, um, rather than just be a passive consumer and have all this stuff wash over you. So we've got, you know, very practical tips and tricks and guides for how to look at stories to see which are the real ones and which aren't. You know, what are what are some, you know, what are some red flags that you can look for? We tell people how they can look at photographs with a critical eye to know what's a fake photo and what isn't, and even to look at websites themselves to see what might be a fake website. Yes, those are going to be very helpful indeed. Like you said, we're living in the time of social media where where the majority of um, young people get their news and information from now as opposed to traditional outlets. Um, Now, one of the things that you mentioned, like you said, has lots of uh, resources in the book. But one of the resources in the book is the Truth Toolkit. Um, Tell us a little bit more about that. So the Truth Toolkit is really just 
a series of questions you should ask yourself when a story shows up in your newsfeed. Um, you know, one of the questions is, who else is covering this story? So if some screaming headline comes into your newsfeed and it seems like a really big story or a really emotional story, if the story makes you just feel angry or upset, one of the first things you want to do before you share it with your thousand closest friends is with a few keystrokes, see if other people are covering that story. Because if this is the only version of a really important story, that's a red flag right there that it really might not be a real story. So the point is to think before you click. Um, and, you know, none of us wants to be that person that spreads bad information. So, you know, who else is covering this? What was the origin of the story? Does it come from a legitimate news source? Does it feel too good to be true or too outrageous to be true? All of us have that spidey sense, that little voice inside us that says, I don't think this is right or there's something wrong with it. We really need to listen to that voice. So it's just, it's like acting like an editor because the sad fact is you know, a lie can go around the world before the truth gets its pants on. And that's kind of an old expression and it's kind of funny, but it is unfortunately so true. So we all need to act like a skeptical editor and think, what's wrong with this story? Indeed. Now, you talked about reliable sources, um, which is how this book actually came to be. Um, you collaborated with award-winning journalists and media experts for this book. Um, tell us a little more about what that experience was like and the selection process and um, the end result. Well, so our author, Robin Terry Brown, put together an amazing panel of experts, people with, you know, decades of experience at some of the best news outlets in the country and even in the world at the New York Times and the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, USA Today. Uh, we had experts from ABC News. We talked to professors of journalism. So together, these people have hundreds of years of experience. And so they really let us in on how news is reported, what kinds of stories are out there, the tips that people, you know, should look at for what is, what's you know, what's real about a story or what should get your what should get your suspicions up. They also were really helpful in looking at the history of news. People have been dogged by misinformation ever since there was information. So that's not a new thing. What is a new thing is the um, the overwhelming amount of stuff we have to deal with and that makes it a little bit harder. But they were a great great uh source of in, incredible wisdom for us to, to help us on this journey. Absolutely. It's great to know that you picked the best from the best to collaborate on this book so that um, children and adults alike will get the most expert advice to go ahead and navigate through this season, um, especially with the election coming up. Now, um, one of the things that you mentioned is sources, um, content sources, and we know that there's a plethora of different content sources out now. Um, everyone wants to be the first to quote unquote break the story. Um, and in addition to that, um, everyone kind of wants to have those numbers come in, you know, the views, the likes, the attention. So as you said, you know, things can be made up as well. So um, one of the things that you cover in the book um, is the journalist code of ethics 
and defining the freedom of speech. Um, as we know, everyone's not a journalist. Um, there's different um, sets of criteria between a journalist and, and someone who is just, you know, helping to raise awareness of something. So tell us a little bit more about what the book talks about in regards to that journalist code of ethics and defining the freedom of speech. Well, you know, every legitimate news organization has a code of ethics. What we put in the book was the code of ethics that's been adopted by the Society of Professional Journalists which is a, you know, a, a terrific organization. And I think most journalism code of ethics are very similar to the one that we have in this book. And, it's, and it's, you know, it covers everything from the need to seek out the truth and report it to allow people to have a chance to respond to allegations about them, to be fair, to avoid stereotyping people. Um, it says that when journalists make mistakes, they need to acknowledge those mistakes and they need to be corrected prominently and promptly. Um, you know, and you've got to just serve the public. You've got to be the eyes and the ears for the public. So if a tornado comes and wipes out some town, you've got journalists on the front lines who are going to be going in there, letting people know what happened, letting it know whether it's safe to come back, letting them know how they can get help the same as covering the election. Journalists are on the flight front lines explaining and exploring the most important issues of our time, and they need to do that in a fair and balanced way. So that's what that code of ethics is all about. Absolutely. Now, um, with that being said, you've seen it all, and you're continuing to see it all from every angle. Um, tell us what do you see for the future of news, especially as it relates to um, young people, the age 10 to 16 um, demographic? Well, I think young people are going to continue to have more and more tools at their disposal to, um, to get the news, right? And media is one of the fastest changing businesses in the world. The tools that we have now are so different from when I got into the business, um, you know, in the late 1970s, and we were still using typewriters. When I went to journalism school, we were actually using manual typewriters. Pretty soon, people won't even know what typewriters are. So the business has just changed enormously, and those tools will continue to grow in power and sophistication. The good part about that is there are so many ways to get people interested in stories now, whether it's through photographs and video or interactive graphics or really richly, deeply reported stories that you can get in real time. So that's the good part of it. The bad part of it is that you know, some of these tools can be used just to propagate lies, to you know, repeat over and over again incorrect information. You know, the way our minds are wired, when we hear something over and over again, we tend to think it's true, even if it isn't. And so those are the things we have to be on guard for. But I am really optimistic about the future of news just because there are going to be more and more ways to tell readers and, and viewers what's really going on in the world. Yes, I love that. Now, what advice would you have for parents to... Um, when they buy this book for their kids, what advice do you have for them to not only um, go through the book and navigate it together, but to help them to um, use it properly as a tool as we go into November? 
Well, I think this is a great family book, really. It's a, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity for parents and kids to look through this together because there is a lot of history in the book that the parents are going to remember about hoaxes or conspiracy theories or misinformation from the past. And there's a good opportunity to use that as a teaching tool to compare and contrast what used to happen with how it happens now. And I'll bet the young people can teach their parents something, too, about social media and what they've, what they've seen. So I think it's a, it's a great conversation starter for parents and kids and a real um, good opportunity, a good teachable moment with the information going both ways. Yes, absolutely. And also, too, um, let's talk about the 18-plus crowd. And um, we know that a lot of that crowd is voting for the first time this November. Um, what advice, and even the 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds, they will soon be voting, you know, in the next election, the next presidential election. Um, what advice would you like to give to the first-time voters, those who are 18, as well as the um, voters who are maybe 16 and 17 and they know um, that they'll be eligible to vote in the next presidential election? Well, my advice for younger people is really the same as it is for older people, which is to try to become more media literate, to not just, you know, take in everything at face value and assume that everything you're seeing is true. You do need to be a skeptical consumer. You know, there's a phrase in journalism I heard when I was coming up as a young journalist, and it is, if your mother says she loves you, check it out. It's kind of a funny way to say it, and of course your mother loves you, but what it really means is, you know, be skeptical about what you're hearing. Figure out what are the sources of those uh, of what you're of what you're seeing. Is it legitimate? Is there a red flag that goes up that makes you distrust it? It is so easy with a few clicks to see, you know, if you're seeing something good or something bad. There are even entire websites. Like, like Snopes or, um, or PolitiFact, they're devoted into sussing out whether information is true or false. So I think there's a lot of resources at people's disposal if they're willing to use it. Absolutely. And this book is another resource as well that is a great resource. And we so appreciate National Geographic for making this available um, during this time, during this important time in our nation's history. And um, tell us where people can go for more information about the book as well as um, more information just about National Geographic for kids in general. Absolutely. Well, nationalgeographic.com is a great place to start. You can buy the book there. You can get to our our kids' website from there. Um, you can also get this book on Amazon and in bookstores, uh, wherever, wherever books are sold. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And again, be sure to check out nationalgeographic.com for more information on the book, to purchase the book, or to um, see everything else that National Geographic has to offer, including um, their news and information that they share as well. You can buy the book on Amazon and anywhere books are sold. And also connect with National Geographic along social media, Facebook, Twitter, um, follow them everywhere. They will keep you updated with accurate information as we go into this November. I want to thank you so much for joining me today, Susan. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And thank you so much for all that you've done and all that you plan to do in the future to keep us educated. 
Thank you so much. It's been a real honor to talk to you. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith, Health, and Home Digital Podcast. For transcripts of this episode and others, visit our website at faithhealthandhome.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Thank you again for joining us.